this has been researched and it makes a lot of sense, right? The more you trigger your neural circuitry to do an action, the better it becomes at doing that action, the more prepared it becomes. And that's why I mentioned before, you know, when I actually get into the situation, it seems effortless. It seems like I've done this before because to some degree, mm -hmm. my brain has done it before. Episode 60, man. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Go Get It podcast. I'm your host, Austin Meyer, as always joined by my co-host, my brother, my teammate, my Captain Hunter, Gorski. I'd like to start today's episode with a quote. And this one comes from author Sun Tzu and his book, The Art of War. He writes, quote, Every battle is won or lost before it is ever fought, end quote. Now, when you hear that quote, what comes to mind? What do you think about? What is it that can be done before a battle, before an exam, a speech, a debate, a conflict, a game, a race? What can be done before that to help you win? Is visualization at the top of your list? Well, Hunter and I are here today to make a case for why we think it should be. And there's a lot of research to back that up. So today we're gonna to talk about the how and why that just a few minutes of visualization before your big event can set you up for success. And with that, I'm gonna pass it over to Hunt. Take it away, my brother. Stig, thank you, brother. Thanks everybody for joining another episode of the Go Get It pod. Um, I wanna take us all back to 2009. I was a freshman at Stanford University and I found myself in the Stanford Trophy Room, Austin, at Ariaga uh, Family Sports Center, which you know well. Mm. For anybody yeah. who doesn't know, um, at Ariaga Family Sports Center, as soon as you walk in, you make a little left and you have the Stanford Trophy Room, which has hundreds of trophies in there, national titles, Sears Director's Cup, the whole nine. And within that room, there's also a, a meeting room in there and our locker rooms were like in the basement of this room. Anyway, we found mm -hmm. ourselves, the team found ourselves in this room um, and it was in the lead up to the first game of our season. Uh, I think it was either later that day or the next day. And our coach had brought somebody in to speak with us. His name was C-Mac. And C-Mac is, was, is a sports psychologist at the time he was, he was working, um, he was working mostly with the Stanford volleyball team who, as you know, went on, went on to win the, uh, the national championship that year. Uh, but he came in to do some work with our team as well. And so we're in the meeting room within the trophy room. Obviously this is mm. a bit of a, you know, it's it, the setting is, is just right, you know, for right, you to just right. kind of be like a hundred percent bought in and like, you know, show me the way. And, yeah. uh, and also, sh and also to show the standard, like this is what's expected, right? We're not just having to get one win, two win. It's like, Oh, for sure. You're surrounded by titles. That's the expectation. Absolutely. And, and C-Mac himself, he, he's an older gentleman, real common demeanor, like looks just, just like, looks like a wise experienced guy, great smile and just a gentle way about him, you know? Yeah. And he, he comes in and he says, and, and he just, he, he kind of gets right into it. And he just says, everybody, I want you to take a second right now and just close your eyes for a moment. Take a few deep breaths, 
and relax your body. I want everybody to picture themselves tonight walking out of the locker room onto the pitch. You look up, you see the faces of your teammates ready to go into battle with you. You hear the murmuring of the fans talking to each other and the sound the ball makes when it comes off your foot. You feel, you feel strong, you feel confident knowing you've done this a thousand times already and you feel a positive energy in every movement that you make. I want you to imagine that you hear the referee blow the whistle and the game begins. The ball touches your foot and goes exactly where it's supposed to go. Your passes are sharp. You're seeing things unfold effortlessly before your eyes. Things are almost in slow motion because you're reading the game so well. Each moment of the game you conquer with ease and in the end, your team has won. I want you to imagine looking at the scoreboard having just won and think about the feeling that has overcome you having accomplished a great performance with your brothers. Mm. Take an extra moment to yourself. Take stock of what you see, what you hear, and how you feel. And when you're ready, open your eyes. For anybody not familiar with visualization, that is an example of what it might look and sound like. The whole idea is to imagine as, in as much detail as possible and using several senses yourself in the future taking an action. You'll notice that throughout that example, you'll hear visual, auditory, and kinesthetic cues, right? So for mm. example, what are you seeing? Visual. What are you hearing? Auditory. And what are you feeling? Kinesthetic, as well as some emotion that's put in there. And this helps make the scene more real to your subconscious mind. And there are a couple different methods for visualizing. The first, and this, what I've just done here is sort of a combination of the two, but uh, let's just say the first is outcome visualization. So it involves envisioning yourself achieving your end goal. And the second type um, can be called process visualization, where it involves envisioning each of the actions necessary to achieve the outcome you want but you focus on completing each of the steps you need to achieve your goal rather than focusing on achieving the goal itself. So, Stig, before I touch on why this is so important and why this actually works, hmm. I'd love to hear from you. I know that you actually have an interesting twist when it comes to doing visualization, something that yeah. I haven't heard too much of before. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that and just your general thoughts about this, if there's any examples you can draw on, on when you use visual visualization and how it helps you. Perfect. That visualization that you just ran us through, you could see in the video for anyone who's watching the video, like when you said the ball hits your foot and it goes exactly where you want it to, my smile just lights up. <laughs> it's just because like, even you saying that, I could feel that touch and I could That's feel it. how good it feels to actually make that happen. It was so great. So, man, my my process of visualization definitely changed a little bit once I started ultra running and started working with a coach named David Roche. And before every race, he writes a race email to us where he just breaks down the plan for the day. And the plan for the day goes into nutrition and hydration strategy, just recapping what we've already worked on in training, uh, things to keep in mind in terms of mantras, which we talked about during the Castle Peak 100K recap episode. Then he also 
talks about this idea of visualization and how to use visualization as ultra runners to get the best out of ourselves on the day. And I remember the first time that I read this passage that he wrote, I was very intrigued because it was, wasn't really ever any method I had thought about using before. So I would consider it, if you had to categorize it versus outcome or process, I would say it's a process-oriented visualization hunter. But instead of imagining and visualizing that perfect touch or that perfect pass or everything going well, there's a twist. David writes in this pre-race email, he says, quote, don't envision the perfect day. Envision the imperfect day. Prepare now for a bad day and decide how you will respond. The answer, respond with courage and strength. He then goes on to say, only DNF if your health is at risk. And DNF in ultra running stands for do not finish. It means kind of pulling out of a race before you accomplish the goal of getting to the end line. He said, only DNF if your health is at risk or if you know for a fact that you don't really care about finishing. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your future self to play out this mental calculus before the start line. And I love this, this mental calculus. What a cool combination of words because when you're in the moment, when you're in the heat of battle, when you are 40 miles into a 62 and a half mile race and your body is broken, a lot of times your capacity for reasoning and using logic starts to drift away. And you start to make some of these emotional decisions. You start to listen to your body saying, I don't really want to go anymore. When your mind and what is you're physically capable of is so much more. And so what he wants us to do is visualize that moment when you are broken. Visualize that moment when you're throwing up on the side of the trail because your stomach turned. And make the decision now while you're sitting in your warm, cozy house, sitting on the couch, feeling all good. Make the decision now and commit to that so that when you're broken and when your mind starts to turn, It's anchored back into that decision you've already made of, I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to remember I'm out here to challenge myself and to push past the limit. And right now this feels like a limit. And in that that example, when you're on the couch visualizing that, Mm-hmm. And I and I and I, I love what, with what you're saying. I'm also I'll, I'll tag on with another example. But are you also so are you visualizing off on the side of the road heaving up? And then are oh, yeah. you visualizing your response to that? What that looks That's like? What exactly. that feels like? What you're saying to yourself in that moment? Exactly right. Exactly right. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll envision myself getting into aid stations late in the race because I know late in the race I'm going to be feeling down. Um, and I envision myself, I can visualize my stomach turning, visualize my body feeling broken and feeling down and feeling negative. But then I also envision my perfect response to that hardship. And the perfect mm. response at an aid station for me is saying what up to everyone who's there, saying thank you to everyone who's volunteering their time, cracking jokes. Because I also know if I respond that way to the hardship, that's going to lift the other people around me. That's going to lift me up too. So 
That's where I, that's exactly what I do. I know a lot of the scenarios that can go wrong in an ultra race. So I start to plot out in my mind those different things that are known to go wrong and then visualize my perfect response to those negative moments. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And even there in the example that you gave, I think it's a good example for people to latch on to, to again, see the visual auditory and kinesthetic, right? When you get to the aid stations, you see the people there, you hear them, you know, cracking jokes and, and, and the little talking that's going on. Maybe you feel their hand when you give them a high five, stuff like that. So the more senses that we could kind of put into this visual, um, this visual reality that we're trying to create for ourselves, the better. This this reminds me of an example that I read actually in the lead up to this episode, and it and it's and it's it's an example about um, about a marathon, and it sort of includes what you're talking about here, and it is process oriented. So this would be an example, perhaps, of of what somebody's visualization would look like before the race. Visualize yourself running well. Legs pumping like pistons, arms relaxed, breathing controlled. In your mind, break the course into sections and visualize how you will run each part, thinking about your pace, gait, and split time. Imagine what it will feel like when you hit the wall, that point in the race where your body wants to stop, and more importantly, what you must do to break through it. So it's almost exactly what you had just mentioned there. Yeah, that's awesome. And when it came to my last race, Hunter, I did this visualization of like worst case scenario and then my best case outcome or my best case decision after that. Now, what ended up happening is I had a great day and I didn't hit those roadblocks that I thought might come up. And when that happens, it's like you've set the expectations low. You visualized worst case scenarios. And so now when I don't hit them, I'm like, let's go, man. It's easy to make jokes with the aid station volunteers. It's easy to feel good. So even when those things don't happen, you get that extra boost from actually not having to go through them. Right on, man. hundred percent. Actually, what's coming up for me, definitely in, in, in football, I already gave an example of kind of, you know, how I use and when I use visualization and for sure on game day, I'm always doing a visualization in the morning, kind of playing through in my mind, what the day is going to look like, how I'm going to feel, you know, the, the different things about the performance. But I also use this, um, for, for maybe some, some more relatable examples, like giving presentations or giving speeches or even going in and having a talk with somebody, whether it's a coach or whether it's a teacher, um, I will visualize how it's going to go, what I'm going to say, what this person might say in, in, in response to me, how that's going to make me feel, what I can, the space I'm going to occupy in the room, the pauses I'm going to make, you know, during that, during that exchange. And it really helps me just get prepared. So when I'm in the moment, it's just, it's just happening. You know, I've already Mm. played this through in my mind and so it, it's almost, it, it becomes effortless in the moment. And, it, and it's almost like I've already lived this moment. And that's why it's, it's so impactful. The first time that I realized, man, how powerful it is for me was, and, and it just came back into my head as you were giving that first example, actually, around the soccer visualization of I've been visualizing since I was a little kid. And the little kid visualization was visualizing not game day later that day or presentation later that day. It was me playing for the U.S. national team. I remember being a little kid and playing in the backyard and hitting all those senses, you know, taking a shot and going, ah, ah, you know, being the crowd noise, 
you know, I could remember being the announcer, like, hey, everybody, welcome to the field. Austin Meyer, number 17 for the U.S. national team, coming onto the pitch. I've played those scenarios out. And what happened is when I finished playing soccer at Stanford and didn't make it to the MLS, one of the reasons why that was so hard for me is because of how like powerful that visualization was since I was a kid. Yeah. I have been trying to play that out in my head and I felt so much inertia from that visualization that it was very hard for me to say, okay, it's time to turn my life in a different direction and go pursue something else. Even visualizations when I was like a child still had pull when I was 22 years old. And that was like, wow, that is striking. And we can use that to our benefit in the short term of visualizing something later that day. But we're doing it as well for longer term things as well. Absolutely, man. And I'm going to I'm going to expand on that here in a in a little bit, but I I want to at, at this stage I want to talk about the why behind this. Like why does visualization why does it work, right? So, um and there's two things in particular I want to talk about with this. One is just um like neural circuitry mm-hmm. and the other one is our reticular activating system also known as RAS. So, I'm, I'll I'll reference a I'll reference a couple people throughout this, but I want to explain it in this way. So the brain is, is, is a very flexible organ, right? So it's constantly growing and it's constantly expanding. And when you learn something new, like riding a bike or speaking Japanese, you make an imprint on your brain. You make a memory. And the more often you repeat or practice the tasks, the stronger the imprint becomes and the easier it is to recall. What the brain can't do, however is distinguish between what you are physically experiencing and what you're imagining. And so according to the International Coaching Academy's Neuroscience and Visualization Research Paper, if you exercise an idea over and over in your mind, your brain will begin to respond as though the idea was a real object in the world. The paper continues... The thalamus, the part of the reality-making process of the brain, makes no distinction between inner and outer realities. And thus, any idea, if contemplated long enough, will take on a semblance of reality. The concept begins to feel more attainable and real, and this is the first step in motivating other parts of the brain to take deliberate action in the world. So when we visualize an action, the same brain regions are stimulated as when we physically perform the action. Your brain is training for actual performances. So thinking about picking up your left hand to your brain is the same thing as literally picking up your left hand. They've actually done studies on this. This is mind-blowing. So there was a study conducted by the Cleveland Clinic Foundation in Ohio, which compared people who went to the gym with people who carried virtual workouts in their heads. The finding, according to Psychology Today, showed a 30% muscle strength increase in the physical gym goers, and the virtual gym goers, the the ones who were just picturing it, they saw a muscle strength increase of 13.5%. Oh, 
Just by thinking about exercising, these individuals became stronger. Why? Because they were triggering parts of their brain, which were calling on their neural circuitry, their muscles. They were calling on a response, firing off those muscles, and therefore they increased the strength. Past studies have shown that internal visualization of specific movements forms these neural patterns in the brain that I'm referencing, which help advance neuromuscular coordination. So since the brain instructs the muscles how to move, stronger neural patterns, patterns result in clearer, stronger movement. Okay? There's another study that I want to reference. Dr. Bayasioto, professor at the University of Chicago, conducted a study on sports visualization. His famous basketball experiment used free throws as a way to gauge the effectiveness of visualization and guided imagery in sports. He first separated people into three groups and tested each group on how many free throws they can make. He then had the first group practice free throws every day for an hour for 30 days. The second group only visualized themselves making free throws, and the third group did not practice or use visualization. After 30 okay. days, he tested all three groups again, Stig. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you see where this is going. The first group, <laughs> the first group improved by 24%. The second group, so those were the ones actually practicing for an hour every day. The second group, who didn't practice, only visualized, increased by 23%. So just 1% less without even touching the basketball. And the third group, (laughs) as predicted, they didn't show any improvement. Wow. This has been researched and it makes a lot of sense, right? The more you trigger your neural circuitry to do an action, the better it becomes at doing that action, the more prepared it becomes. And that's what I mentioned before. You know, when I actually get into the situation, it seems effortless. It seems like I've done this before because to some degree, Mm. my brain has done it before. I want to make a mention of just one more thing, which I mentioned earlier, which is the reticular activating system. So another reason that visualization boosts success is by programming this RAS, which serves as a mental filter for the millions of bits of information that are streaming into our brains at one time. It's constantly filtering out things. Hmm. The RAS is not involved in interpreting the quality or type of sensory input. Rather, it activates the entire cerebral cortex with energy, waking it up, increasing its level of arousal and readiness for interpreting incoming information and preparing the brain for appropriate action. So the RAS, it thinks in pictures and daily visualization feeds the RAS the pictures it needs to start filtering information differently. So as a result, your your reticular activating system, it starts to pay attention to anything that might help you achieve your goals. Your goals mm. being what you have visualized and what you have triggered your subcon- your subconscious mind to be looking for. Interesting. And mm. so there's actually this, this conflict within yourself, right? When you visualize this future scenario, you've created this future reality for yourself. And mm. then you've created this conflict in which you don't currently have that yet. And so now your subconscious, your subconscious mind is going to be looking for ways, looking for cues to help you achieve 
that goal that it wants to help you resolve. That's so cool. Just makes a bunch of sense and puts some language to these things that I've felt and things that I've experienced, but I didn't really know the science behind it. So that that is super cool. And also amazing that the visualization and both that filtration system and just working that neural circuitry can work whether it's something that's like a physical action. Uh, it can work if it's an attitude decision. Like when we're talking about the running, it's kind of that. It's like programming or visualizing an attitude, a mentality, programming or visualizing a physical action. I'm really glad you brought that up also because I wanted to make a mention of it. But, you know, we're obviously we're talking about, you know, in your case, the marathon, in my case, the soccer game, the pitch, the presentation. For anybody listening, visualization is actually uh, a heavily used technique for for reducing stress and anxiety about things. It's actually it's used as as a treatment in many in many scenarios for somebody who has stress and anxiety um, about a particular thing or about a particular event that's coming up or what have you could be a really really effective tool for you to be able to you know for you to be able to 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 forge this future reality where you're able to be more calm more present more under control and help you kind of navigate through that situation a little bit easier. As we go into the go get challenge for the week, I also just want to put out an encouragement for people out there. Because when we did this 30-day morning ritual challenge, what's the book called? The Miracle Morning. Right, The Miracle Morning. The Miracle Morning. We had visualization in that Miracle Morning. And for those who took on the Miracle Morning challenge, we did hear from listeners that visualization was one of the hardest parts of that morning. And visualization, like anything, is a practice. It takes practice to get comfortable doing it, especially because, you know, early on, you're just sitting there and you, you feel like, you know, you're trying to play like a video game kind of in your head. You're kind of imagining scenarios. It can kind of feel a little awkward, a little, a little rough around the edges when you start. But use this Go Get It Challenge this week to just get into a little bit of a practice. See how it evolves over the course of seven days. Just give it a try. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So this week's action item, go get a challenge, is to take at least three minutes each day this week to visualize some aspect of your day, whether it's some sort of physical activity, a meeting, a negotiation, a call, a pitch, a drawing, a song. Use this technique. See how it changes your day. Potentially in the show notes, we can include some links to give people some sources they can go to to help with you know visualization techniques or steps that they can take in visualization. We've given an example here at the beginning of the episode as I took as I took us through one. But just know that just like with anything these days, a quick search on Google, visualization steps, visualization techniques, visualization resources um, will take you a really long way and help fill in those gaps if there are any gaps for you on how do I get started? How do I start to kind of talk to myself? I've heard uh, a lot of examples use, uh, I can't remember what you mentioned, but but almost like you're watching a movie. And Mm, it it could be you as a third person watching this person, you go through the movie, or it could be you in first person actually in there yourself experiencing the movie as it happens. So maybe that'll be a good point for you to start at 
um, in your journey with visualization. And with I know, that, I know, I know, I know Hunter's playing like Super Mario 64 with himself in his brain. He's like, <laughs> watch, he's watching from that third person perspective, you know, like that, that hovering cloud above Mario watching from that perspective. <laughs> That's right. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining on another episode of the go get it podcast. We'll see you next week. And until then go get it, go get it. <laughs>